welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. I want to begin to lead us in a series of questions. You can keep your eyes closed if you want. There's not there's nothing you have to do. There's not going to be any words on the screen. You can just receive. Um, in this, this is called um, the examine. And it's an Ignatian discipline that calls us to center our thoughts and our hearts on God. And just create a space for a moment with God. Can we just have a moment with God together? It's like everybody these days. Here we are. Duk, 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 on the phones. On the phones. Can we just have a space with God? So this morning as you woke up, breath filled your lungs. And we didn't do that. We didn't put the breath there. We woke up. And so we come to God with gratitude in our hearts. And we just say, good morning, God. We are imperfect. You know how flawed we are. We come to you tired. We come to you imperfect. We come hopeful. Some of us come hopeful and some of us come joyous, some of us come with sadness, but we thank you for beating hearts in our chests and breathing lungs, which you've given us another day in your creation. You know, desire is an important part of Ignatian spirituality. It's also an important indicator of where your heart is. You desired uh, to be here this morning. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but you are here. And so your desire is an important indicator. For so long we've been told that our desires are bad and to push those down. In the economy of grace, desire to meet with God means everything. And you're here today. As you begin to recognize Jesus' presence, God's presence with us, What desires do you have for today? Now take a survey of your feelings. How are you feeling this morning? Maybe you're feeling sleepy. Maybe you're feeling hopeful. Maybe you're feeling excited or you're you're feeling fearful. Maybe from feelings that spilled over from yesterday. Take a survey of those feelings. Do you feel confident? Do you feel timid? You know, feelings happen to you. Feelings don't define you. And it's important to remember that God created you. To have feelings. As you begin today, remember that you are loved. You're loved today. You have certain gifts that God has placed on your life and talents. This is your identity in God. You are loved. With this in mind, All of this, that you're loved and that these feelings happen to you? Do you anticipate any challenges today? For you, good or bad? 
Now with all of this in mind, and in this space with God, take all those desires, all those feelings, the challenges, and give them to God. Let's give those over to God. And as you give them to God, in this morning, with the next 24 hours in front of you, full of of possibility, open slate, not a closed canon, your story still being written, all of those things given to God, what would be your one sentence to God right now as you face a new day? Go ahead and speak that to God. You know, I've been loving this prayer recently from this old Jesuit father years ago. And I want to read that to us. Again, we just need to receive. Sometimes that's really difficult for some of us. But I've just been getting a lot of life from this. God, I find myself at the beginning of another day. I don't know what today's going to bring. Please help me to be ready for whatever it may be. If I'm to stand up, help me to stand bravely. If I'm to sit still, help me to sit quietly. If I'm to lie low, help me to do it patiently. If I'm to do nothing at all, let me do it gallantly. I pray just for today, for these 24 hours, for the ability to cooperate with others according to the way Jesus taught us to live. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May these words he taught us become more than words. Please free me from my thinking and feelings and the thinking and feelings of others, from all forms of self-will, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and deception, along with my brothers and sisters. I need this freedom to make my choices today according to your desires. Send your spirit to inspire me in time of doubt and indecision so that together we can walk along the path, the journey that you set out for us, Lord. Let your rule and your reign settle on us. We come from different places, God. Some of us, this is the first time walking into church and ever, and some of us, we haven't been back to church in 20 years. Others of us, we're here every week. Father, you know where we're coming from. Some from two years old, others from 92 years old. God, you see it all. You love us, and you're here with us. We honor and cherish and treasure your presence above our reputation, above anything Here, God, we want to know your presence. Let your presence come and settle on us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's going to be a little different in the way that we're going to hear from multiple people. And our scripture for today is Romans 12, 15, 16, and 18. And the first um, scripture I wanted to take in verse 16 is rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn or grieve with those who grieve. And some of you may be huge Browns fans. Who's, Brown, who's a Browns fan? 
most of the room, okay? We are a football town. I learned that last year. So excited for the Cavs in 2016, and I'm like, man, LeBron, it's amazing to be here in Cleveland. I'm from Columbus originally. Then I went to my first Browns game last year, and I found out what you already knew. We are a football town. Oh, the love. That place, First Energy Stadium should be named Church because it really is. The love that people pour out on each other in this common thing. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Woof, and then the woofing. So it's a powerful thing. <laughs> um, so I don't know how many of you have been following along with their um, preseason, but preseason in, in NFL football doesn't really mean a whole lot, if anything. And the, the Browns have this very young team, and they're coming together, and they've got this guy in the front office who is just like, he, he's, he's a really great, his leadership skills are very high in John Dorsey. And so you can see when John, when Mr. Dorsey comes around, these young bucks, they, they, their heads kind of perk up like that. <clears throat> so anyway, he, he has uh, challenged the Browns coach, Freddie Kitchens, um, who's a, a Southern man uh, from interviews, if you've noticed. They, they want to be the most physical team on the football field. So all these young guys, he's got them all revved up for the season, right? And so in one of their preseason games, you say, where is all this leading? And rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. No, it's not the factory of shame. I'm not heading there today. But um, uh, in their last preseason game, there's this young kick returner. And he takes back this punt um, in preseason. Again, mind you, the preseason means, like, nothing. And this punt returner takes this punt all the way back. And in the Building the Browns documentary, they've got all these young guys mic'd up. And so this one guy, uh, one of the other young players, they've got him mic'd up, and he's getting excited as the, uh, as the other player is sprinting down the sidelines. He's taking it to the house, he's, and the guy on the sidelines is like, he's, he's going to the crib, he's going to the crib, and he puts his helmet on. And then he runs out of the sidelines, and, the, and what happens is the whole team from the sidelines, do you guys, who watched it? Do you remember this? The whole team followed this young guy, and they all pounce and tackle this guy who just took it back for, for six in the end zone. And they, like, dogpile on him, right? It's not, the, it's not even the first game of the regular season. It's not even the AFC championship. It's not even the Super Bowl. It's preseason. Nothing matters. And these young guys are, like, rejoicing with those who rejoice. The reason I say it is because this guy, this young guy who followed the other guy who took it to the touchdown for six, right, he understands that it's not about him and his excellence, but there's this certain thing, this refreshing thing about uh, individuals and organizations who can celebrate the wins of others. And the way of Jesus is to celebrate the wins of others. The way of Jesus also is to suffer with those who are suffering. And that's a tough one too. To suffer with those who suffer. To mourn with those who mourn. As a community, we know this one really well. You guys and those who have been with us for maybe a year or longer uh, are familiar with this passage. You have lived this passage. I remember being in a hospital room with five of you who are in the room today mourning with those who mourn over the loss of, their, of a family's son and grieving with those who grieve 
over a son from a, from a father. You guys grieve with those who grieve, and you do it well. And I wanted to encourage you in that, that that's powerful. When you don't feel like you have any words to say, when somebody's son is lying in a hospital bed and you don't really know what to do, so you sing, you just sing, you just worship. When you begin to do that, Vineyard Cleveland, you begin to learn how to mourn with those who mourn and grieve with those who grieve. And I wanted to encourage you. You are doing well in that. You be encouraged. You keep on. Don't give up celebrating the wins of others. Even if you feel like your time is coming and you feel like other people should be celebrating you, keep on celebrating the wins of others. It's worth it. Don't give up. Don't give in. I've asked Bill and Mel Bider to come up and share what does it look like in their lives. This next scripture verse, what, is, what does this look like for you guys? If we wanted to put the next one up there, verse 16. To associate with people of low position, to not be conceited. Good, good luck, guys. <laughs> good luck. Notice how I gave you, you three the hard one. But to live in harmony with one another, to not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, don't be conceited. What's that look like for you guys? Um, yeah, so for me, uh, this verse tied into another verse that I just wanted to share real quick. Um, from Philippians 2, it says, uh, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Um, so not an easy thing to do, but um, for me, just thinking if I was in someone else's shoes, you know, how, how would I be feeling and how would I want to be treated? So just praying about that in my life and to seek that more. So. All right. Hi, everybody. This little guy's getting heavy now. and uh, <laughs> He doesn't want to be put down, but that's all right. Um, for me, you know, um, that just made me think about, like, you know, the people that you might see see out in the world, you know, like the the guy that might be in front of you in the store, you know, smelling like booze or the guy standing on the corner um, and those out there struggling because, uh, I mean, for many years that was me. I was that guy. And um, just reading this verse just makes me think, you never know what, what plans God has for a person. Um that person that you might see struggling, you know, one day might be in a church holding his son, who's a miracle, talking about a Bible verse. It's um, it's pretty amazing, and uh, it made me think about a a couple of guys, um, a guy named Tom Reynolds, who um, associated with the lowly, and he started a program called The Way in Huntsville, Alabama, and. Um, him and then uh, David Wilkerson, who I'm sure some of y'all may know, but he started a program called Teen Challenge, and he um, he associated with the lowly in New York, and you know saved a lot of kids who are um, heavily involved in drugs and gangs, and um, and those two programs ended up saving my life um, and leading me to Christ, and it's just it's just amazing that you know. 
Jesus, when he was here, he didn't associate with, um, you know, the, the most high and mighty people. Um, he associated with the lowly. I mean, look at the people that Jesus came to, to hang out with, you know, and, and thank God he did because all of us at some point in our lives, I mean, we've been those lowly people. And, um, and thank God that Jesus came to save. So if we're truly uh, living Christ's life, Christ-like in our life, and uh, thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and if we want to be transformed into his image, then we got we to gotta think about that. You know, you might see somebody that's out there hurting. Um, give them encouragement and um, tell them your story. Because uh, I, was, I was a complete mess, and my, um, my sister kept witnessing to me. And she would bring me to church, and I was, you know, still feeling the night before and just, you know, reeking like booze and still half drunk, but she kept on associating with the lowly. And I mean, even though it was family, it's, she, was, she was faithful in that. So if we really want to be like Christ, I'd say we um, just show love to those around you and, and you know, take risks like um, David Wilkerson and Tom Reynolds did. Because uh, you never know what the plans are going to be for for somebody, and um, this this little miracle here is is a proof. Because I was in a, a really bad place. I was I was at the end of my life and the end of my rope, and uh, and because men like Tom Reynolds and David Wilkerson took risks and hang out with the lowly and to serve them, I'm alive and. Uh, my son here is a miracle, and I've got a beautiful wife, and I've been sober seven years now, so amen. So uh, that's what, um, yeah, thank you. That's what that verse means to me. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You know, Bill and Mel lead our um, Rekindle ministry here at Vineyard Cleveland, and they meet every second and fourth Friday here at the church. If you um, need, are in need of recovery, if something connected with you through Bill's story, or you know of folks who are um, in need of a community to journey recovery with, we'd love to, we'd love to meet them, for sure. I love this word here that says willing, you know? Be willing to associate with people of low position. And how the kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God always moves forward on our availability. It's never the people with the most skills. <laughs> you ever notice that? The people who God uses are like the worst skilled people ever. <laughs> In a culture of experts, Jesus says, be willing. <laughs> That's it. Be willing. That's who Jesus is looking for. He's looking for folks. In our culture, he's looking for folks who are willing, who are just willing to say yes to Jesus. Just yes to Jesus. That's it. The next verse, Evan, if you wanted to put that one up there, is verse 18. It says, if it's at all possible, 
If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, as far and as wide and as deep as it depends on you, live at peace or live in shalom, live in wholeness with everyone. Oh, that is the worst. How do we do that? My goodness, that is difficult. That's a tough one. So I took the easy way out and decided not to talk about it. But my friend, Bridget, would love to talk about it with us. So would you guys welcome Bridget Thomas? Hi, guys. It is hard to see everyone. So it's funny that Evan said that uh, it is tough to live at peace with everyone, and God does not use the experts for things. Because <laughs> when Evan reached out and said, hey, do you want to talk about peacemaking? Nope. <laughs> I was, <laughs> but uh, I really, um, I really try to have a faithful heart when it comes to him, God, because I love him so much. But sometimes it is very difficult. You know, sometimes I felt like I've created enemies just merely by existing, by being who I am, right? Like that feeling that you can't do anything right. No one values you. No one validates you. So how can I make peace, right? Because a peacemaker is someone that brings about peace with their adversaries. How do I make peace with people that aren't for me? How does that even work? So because I, so I love him. I've walked with him for a while now. And when I love a person, I am for you right? So I am for Jesus. So when people do hurt me, most of the time, I see they're hurting, and I want to reach them. I want this to be an opportunity for us to clear the air, for God to be, right, for him to be validated, for, for his glory to come, but sometimes they don't listen, y'all, and they have no desire to. And I think that we all want to be peacemakers, but I think we fail at it, often because I think it's not because we're not equipped or that he doesn't come. And often it's not that we don't realize, right? Like we know that we're standing on the shoulders of a Savior that has sinned under his feet. But it's the waiting. When someone hurts you, when you feel pain, you want to be rescued from that. You don't want to wait. And it's the waiting when we allow ourselves to be devoured to be reduced to people that we don't even know, that our friends and our family don't know. And it's difficult to bring chaos, it's difficult to bring peace in this world today in the chaos that we live. No one wants it, it seems like. So I gotta tell you a real quick story. So I um, went to Costco recently on a Saturday. I don't know if y'all go to Costco on Saturdays if you don't, if you, if you have not, please don't, right? Like, I <laughs> ask myself every time, why am I here when everyone's here? And, uh, but, you know, so we navigate. We have two kids. It's my husband, the big cart. We're getting all of our stuff. And 
My son is very independent. He's five. He, we have cared for him in a way in which he doesn't understand that there still could be issues in front of him. So he told me, I need to hold your hand, Mama. I'm fine. Okay, well, buddy, you know, Mommy's just going to hold your hand. No, 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 I'm standing right here next to you. I'm fine. Okay, buddy. So, uh, so we're walking, and what happens? He has his hands in his pocket, and he turns around, and boom, hit, a lady hits him right in the head. <gasps> I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's totally fine. He's fine. So he, he's shocked. He's scared. Um, and it's not that he can't walk, right? He's five. He's mastered this actually at nine months, so he is very comfortable with walking. <laughs> but what he wasn't aware of was what I was doing in holding his hand. He didn't realize that as we're walking through Costco, I am making a path for him. That as I am walking, because we have a different alignment, I'm much taller than him, and I can connect eyes with the person that he sees at the table with the snack to give the okay nod to say, yep, no allergies, you're fine. He's not seeing this because he's here, right? And I'm here. And I'm making a way so that he is not hitting a cart because I'm pulling him next to me. And I'm the one that's getting hit by the cart. I'm the one that's realizing that maybe that person, he shouldn't, he's doing too much, he's going to run into them. So I, I move, right? He's not realizing that... Um, that we're in a different alignment. And so like Gavin, when I have been so pumped up and excited to share God, right, to be that peacemaker, I didn't understand the role that God was playing. I saw myself confident and independent like Gavin, like I can walk through the store. I can, please, I, I know that scripture. I can share it. I got it. He empowered me, and he gave me something to help me, but I still felt empowered to do battle alone, not realizing that I needed him with me, not understanding that he was making a path for me, not understanding that he was first interacting with that person that I was supposed to interact with to let them know that they were safe with me because he was there. You know, in John 16, 33 is one of my favorite scripture because it says, right, most people will quote, you know, in this world you will have, you have trouble, but rest assured because I've overcome the world. But I, I often thought it was interesting. People always left off that first part that said that in him is when we have peace. It's in him is where we have peace. So maybe if you felt like me, that you felt like, oh, I felt at peacemaking, that's not something I can do. I can, I'm just going to continue to argue with people. Maybe didn't you didn't actually fail. Maybe you just let go of his hand. Thank you. So now we get the opportunity to go do it, to go be it, to be folks who rejoice with others and mourn with others, to be folks who are willing, who say yes to Jesus and to associate with others of low position, <laughs> to 
be peacemakers in our families, in our marriages, in our communities, in our school systems. We get to go be that. What an honor that is. And it's true what Bridget said. It's only in Jesus, like in holding on to the hand of Jesus and letting him shape us and form us that we can even begin to, to step foot into any of those places. Can't do this on our own. We need Jesus. So Jonathan is going to come and uh, lead us in response. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite um, God's presence. We're going to receive communion together.